Hi guys, today we are finishing up our introductory three-part series on all nine of the Enneagram types. We are excited to be finishing up so that we can expand upon what we've already talked about on the Enneagram and how we can use it to glorify God. Thank you guys for returning and tuning back in to listen to the fifth episode of Count It All Joy. I was reading a book by Chris Hortz, Hortz, I don't really know how you say it, and it's called The Sacred Enneagram, and it's, I read almost 200 pages, like, I'm almost done with it, and I started reading it, like, two days ago, just because I was so, like, intrigued by it. Um, I was just so, like, interested, and I was reading outside, so I was just really enjoying it, but it was really cool because he talks a little about the history of the Enneagram, why it's like important to like spiritual growth and understanding ourselves as well as understanding like how we relate to other people he doesn't use it as a much of a personality typing system as a way of um, he uses it more as a way of or describes it more as a way of like understanding the world and like what motivates us which is really what the Enneagram is and why I think it's more beneficial than other personality typing systems, um, like Myers-Briggs or whatever else you might have used um, in the past. But this one, so I was reading like a little bit, he doesn't have, something I like about it is he doesn't have the book separated up into like individual types, except for like there's a couple sections that will focus more on one type at a time. But as I was reading, I really focused on the types like eight, nines, and ones because I knew we were going to be recording this, so I wanted to like focus in a little bit on those types and it was just really interesting because I love every person who studies the Enneagram I think has a little bit different perspective which I really appreciate Um, and I think that any of them would tell you like they're not going to be 100% right maybe but like I just think when you look at everything collectively it gives you the best understanding that you can possibly have but something I've seen a lot of overlap in when talking about type eight specifically, since that's the type we're gonna start with today, is that their basic fear is of being harmed or controlled by others. So like everything they do is to maintain like autonomy, um, remain in control and be, um, like assert their power in situations. Uh, And this can manifest in a lot of different ways my grandpa is actually type eight. So a lot of times when I'm reading about type eights, I'll think of my grandpa because he just like epitomizes a type eight so well. And everything I read, I can just like point it back to something that he's done or something that I've witnessed him do. (laughs) And it's just so funny. Like we, him and my grandma were over for lunch or something a couple weeks ago and he was like we were at he always ends up telling stories about like fights he got into in high school and like he was talking about how he punched like his principal or something he just has all these like funny stories that I'm just like only a type eight could do this (laughs) um like questioning authority and I don't know I just think it's really funny but um I don't know, I've seen a lot of the strengths as well as the problem spots of type eights through him. And um, I don't know, whenever I know somebody really well who's a certain type, it's just like makes it almost easier to talk about. Not that I want to reduce the type to only that person. 
it's just that I, I can see some of the underlying motivations in him of a type eight that helped me to like understand the type holistically. You can definitely spot out their like desire to take control and take leadership in something from a mile away. So that's one of my, that's something that just sticks out to me right away when uh, I kind of hear that someone's a type eight and that's something I look for. And uh, I think they're like very often mistyped as I think ones, threes, and eights are like yeah. a very common mistype because they all have that like leadership ability and inclination to uh, lead and be of control in situations. Yeah, There's I was going to say area of overlap between them. Yeah, my mom's an eight, and, or no, she's not an eight. My mom's a one, and uh, she was kind of looking into Enneagram stuff, and she's like, I can see myself in the eight, too, and I was kind of talking to her about it probably has a lot to do with they both kind of have a desire to have control, so I think that is very easy to mistype, yeah. Yeah, and obviously eights and ones in particular are both in the gut triad, which we're talking about today. Um, and then I think they're both also in the assertive stance, which is, I think, ones, threes, and eights. I could be mistaken, but I think it's something like that. So this type is usually called the challenger. So I think there's a couple of reasons they're called that. There are a few other names for this type, but I think the challenger is the most commonly used. I think challenger is like a perfect summation of the type. They enjoy taking challenges on themselves as well as challenging others. I think something that kind of goes along with that, not being afraid to challenge others, is uh, they are known to kind of not be scared and have a lot of courage in social situations. And uh, they're not afraid to let it be known what they think and why they think. Like, I feel like apes are known to be kind of opinionated and... uh, they won't back down from a challenge. And I feel like they're known to kind of defend the people that they love, yeah. um, which is something else that kind of sticks out to me a lot. And it's honestly something that I admire a lot about them because I'm kind of someone, I just hate conflict. And I'm just like, everyone, please be happy, which is the seven to me, definitely. But sometimes I wish that I was someone who could kind of take a conflict head on and like be direct with someone like eights can so that's something that's really cool yeah and I think it's really interesting I've been again like what I've been reading about eights that I've really um I just think is really cool and I can definitely see in people like my grandpa that they often will defend others to like these extremes that most other people wouldn't and especially people who are more vulnerable or like weaker than them or like um, the underdog maybe is the best way to put it. Like they will do a lot to defend those kind of people, Um, which I just think is a very like noble thing to do. And um, I, again, I really admire that also. Um, Another thing that I found like so interesting and awesome about eights is that they're often seen as invulnerable or very like avoid vulnerability, but I believe that innocence is like one of their virtues, which I was like, that's kind of shocking. Uh, But the way I've seen it put is that this is the best image that I've read that helped me understand it the most. 
Um, and when an eight is like with children, for example, I think a lot of times their guard will be let down and you see like their true innocence and they just like, they connect with kids like so amazingly well. And it's like completely different than what you see when they're with adults. And it makes total sense because from the mindset of an eight, you wouldn't need to protect your power when you're with kids. Um, You don't need to like protect your dominance when you're with like a child. However, when you're with other kids, with other uh, peers or like adults, you obviously would need to act a little bit more firmly in order to maintain that control over the situation. So maybe it could be said that eights are like their most natural self when they're with like children or as children even. Uh, I don't know. I just think that was a really cool way of explaining their virtue of innocence, especially since it's so contradictory to what we know about eights. Like I would never expect that to be an element that describes eights, like innocence or even vulnerability. because it's so often covered by a much tougher facade or mask that they put on to kind of arm, put like a armor over their emotional vulnerability. And I think this often leads them to feel misunderstood because they are seen as such dominant people that people don't understand that there are, uh, there is an emotional side to them and that they do maybe feel weak or they do experience hurt and pain sometimes. I wanted to add is that as a five, I will see elements of an eight kind of manifest themselves in my personality when I am in integration, I suppose, uh, or in situations of security. Uh, I heard about this like theory that's, I think it's called like soul child theory or something. And it essentially says that like as a kid express a lot of the traits of the type you go to in integration when you were a child. So like Maddie, for you, that would be a five. You would like exhibit a lot of five traits as when you were a kid, or maybe you might come off as a kid, a five as a, as a kid. But like for me, that would be, I would maybe appear as an eight when I was a kid, which I was like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense. Like, I was the bossiest kid. Like, it was so bad. Like, I, and then all of a sudden, I feel like in middle school or something, I totally lost all of that. Like, I was very submissive um, compared to, like, what I was like in elementary school. Like, I was just the most controlling, like, honest, brutally honest, like, person ever. Um And I just think that was really interesting theory because I can just totally see it in some people. Um, But yeah, I feel like definitely, especially in the past like year or two, I've done like a lot of personal growth and I feel like I have seen myself move toward, not move toward an eight, but kind of take on some of those like eight qualities. Uh, Like I feel like I've been less afraid to have difficult conversations Um, a lot more assertive of my own needs and boundaries Um, and not more extroverted necessarily but just more outgoing and more willing to like express my own like thoughts and feelings wait that was really cool about the um isn't that cool 
interesting though yeah I never heard about that yeah and I was trying to like think of other so like for my mom that would mean she was like exhibited the qualities of a six because she's a three yeah like that would mean she would be like kind of a six when she was in high school or something and I was like oh my gosh that makes total sense because she was just like very much defined by her friends like I think, like, her friends were definitely the most important thing in her life. Not that they're not now, but yeah. just in a different way. And I, I feel like in high school, I don't really see much of an achiever personality in her. I mean, yeah. it was still there. Your Enneagram type doesn't change. But yeah. I could definitely see that maybe a six. Because I actually mistyped her as a six at first. Really? Yeah, because I that was, was like, thinking sense. of her as a high schooler. Because a lot of times when you're typing uh yourself you want to like look back more when you were like 20 25 once you get older I think you kind of have to look back to your uh younger self because you are obviously developing as a person and you can obviously fill into like both of your wings and you take on more of the different types as you get older and I was just trying to I wasn't I didn't type my mom's a six I just proposed to her that maybe she should look into the six uh, yeah, because I saw a lot of that in her. Um, That's really cool. But yeah, I think th- threes go to six and health. So I was like, that honestly makes a lot of sense why you could have mistyped as a six originally. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just kind of talked to the only eight I know, I guess, mm-hmm. and was asking her some questions. And I think just one thing that stood out to me that, or actually there's a couple things that stood out to me that really just are kind of examples of what we've talked about mm-hmm. throughout talking about eights and just kind of sum it up. And that those are what she thinks are her biggest strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And um, so she said that her biggest strengths are leadership and critical thinking. Mm-hmm. And she loves to mentor people, which makes a lot of sense. Um, because when you're mentoring people, you are that person, that leader, that they are looking up to. So that made a lot of sense. And then she said her biggest weakness is accepting criticism, which I think also makes a lot of sense because when you're getting criticism, you're not really the person in charge. Like, I feel like eights, like, I don't know, Gentry, what do you think about this? Like, I feel like eights, the way I see it kind of like it might well, be struggling I, with the practice of humility, like yeah, being put in a position that is very like humbling. I think that that could be maybe a major struggle. So yeah. like obviously when you're re- receiving criticism, you know you're being told what you're doing wrong or something you need to work on, and that like directly exposes your weaknesses, which makes you appear um, yeah. less in control. And uh, I think that that could be a good way to maybe explain it yeah definitely and maybe something that is a good area of growth for eats yeah for sure something that I think is really strange about the Enneagram again is that eights can have a nine wing when they're so seemingly opposite yeah um, however it's not like super uncommon for an eight to have a, wi- a nine wing or a nine to have an eight wing um I actually think there's a chance that my dad might be a nine wing eight, but I'm, I don't know. He hasn't wanted to put a lot of work into finding it out for himself. So I don't know if we're ever going to find out. Um, but 
nines are very different from eights in the sense that they avoid conflict at almost all costs. They're often called the peacemaker or the mediator. Uh, I don't know. I have a lot of appreciation for nines for that. Um, but I think that an eight with a nine wing would have a very interesting dynamic in their personality for navigating through conflict because they're able to see all sides while still taking a stand and um, expressing like what they believe in. So what does a nine look like? I feel like nines are known to be very easygoing and uh, like Gentry kind of mentioned this a little bit, they want to see all sides to things, which I think is really kind of refreshing to be around. And um, we talked about this when we were talking about sixes, but I think nines come off a lot is like when they're like, like the, I have a friend who's a nine and I think they tend to come off as like a mom friend, if that makes sense. Like we talked about that when we were talking about sixes, because I think sixes, they have that in common with. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're meant to, or they're known to be really supportive and just kind of want everybody to just get along and their name describes them in a really good way the peacemaker they just want everyone to get along because they don't like conflict they're known to kind of bring people together Mm -hmm. and I feel like they also kind of have a little bit in common with sixes because I see them as kind of like the glue to a friend group or a friendship Mm -hmm. as well which we also talked about when we were talking about sixes I think a very prominent element to nines is their like desire for comfort whether this exhibits itself internally or externally I think it often is both for people that are nines I feel like they often want to be comfortable physically and I think this is why they're part of the withdrawing triad with fours fives and nines um in order to like avoid uncomfortable situations they often like withdraw Um, and a lot of times that's physical, a physical act by like, you know, not going somewhere or even if it's mentally withdrawing in order to avoid like having to speak or having to interject themselves in a, in a situation that would invoke some sort of conflict. To go along with the fact that they have a desire to be like comfortable, I think that kind of could be one of their weaknesses just because I think at some points it's necessary to like want to go out of your comfort zone and everything and I think they're also known to be a little bit stubborn which also Mm -hmm. plays into that because um Yeah, I think if they're stubborn, they'll just kind of have an extra desire to just stay in that comfort zone and not want to really try um, new things. Not necessarily new things, but just things out of that little comfort zone. Yeah, and I feel like we're having some, like, hesitation when we're talking about nines, and I think that's just because it's another one of those types. Kind of, I think we're drawing a lot of comparisons between sixes and nines, but it's another one of those types that I feel like there's such a broad range of people that are nines. I think that this is, at first I thought that maybe I was just feeling that way. Like I was kind of like, what is a nine? Like 
how might a nine identify themselves? I honestly learned this more recently. Uh, but, you know, so if you look at the Enneagram diagram thing, the drawing that looks kind of funky, the star looking thing, nines are at the top. And um, I never thought anything of that. But the more I learn, it's like nothing in the Enneagram is a mistake. Like, Nothing really happens by chance, which I think is really weird, but also really cool. I like that everything is so intentional about it, and it's constructed with so much thought and precision. Um, but since the nines are at the top, they're often called, like, the crown of the Enneagram. And they're known to take on traits of almost all of the different, all of the other types except their own type. Like, uh that's a very like confusing concept to understand. Like they're basically everybody but themselves, if that makes sense, which is why I think that they can be really hard to identify. Um, they take on so many of these traits of the different types, but they often lack a strong sense of identity for themselves. Um, another reason I think they're so easy uh, or they're one of the more likely types to mistype themselves um, because of this. Um, it also might be hard to, uh, since they're one of the anchor points, which three sixes and nines are all anchor points of the different triads, and I feel, feel like those are all very easily mistyped people, because they all kind of contradict their triad. So, like, for nines, they're in the body triad, but they're also the most likely to neglect their instinctual um, variants. So they're one of the gut types or like body types, but they're often going to like fight against that. And I think that they often retreat into their mind or emotions, which might lead them to believe they're uh, one of the part types or one of the thinking types. And on top of that, in regards to mistyping, I think they often shift their personality to kind of fit whoever they're around. Um, my dad is a nine, or at least he thinks he is a nine. But as you know, nines are not very decisive and you can't really, he doesn't really want to seem to want to, I don't know, like I was kind of asking him questions about each type and he's always like answers very indifferently. He's like, yeah, I guess, or I think so, maybe. I'm like yes or no <laughs> just say yes or no every type like yeah that sounds like me but to every type yeah he says that to everything so I'm like okay that's honestly just leading me to believe more that you are a nine um but I don't want to say for sure like I don't want to say he's a nine I don't I'm not goal isn't to type him but just lead, maybe lead him towards determining it for himself because I want everybody to know they're any group type like it's so bad but I just and so interested if I want to know what uh, type people are. And I want them to know what type they are because I just see elements of every single type in him. Uh, but what I was saying about kind of shape-shifting and changing their, not changing their personality, but being able to shift moods or their demeanors based on the groups of people that they're with, I've totally seen that in him. Like, he just has so many random, like, circles of friends that are completely different and he still continues to interact very well within them 
which I just think is a very like interesting. He's just friends with everybody. It's so weird. Like it's I just am almost jealous of it. Like I wish I could just get along with everybody so well. I feel, I feel like nines. Yeah, I feel like they can get along with everyone. Yeah, and it's, I, feel like I know them to even if they necessarily don't love someone or really like them, I feel like they can tolerate yeah, anyone. So true. As a five, I feel like I have never mistyped, which I think is kind of weird. Um, like when I was first figuring out my Enneagram type, I feel like sometimes taking a test to figure out your type is sometimes a fine starting point, but I do want to make it very clear that that's not like the best way to go about it. Um, it's just a very like thin line of going wrong, you know? Because if you get the wrong type, then I think sometimes people go down the rabbit hole of that one specific type, and they convince themselves that they're that type, even if they're not. And we can just, when we're taking those tests, we can easily answer those questions according to what we want to be, or what we think we are, how we think other people perceive us. Um, Yeah, and I feel like nines are a type that I could see easily getting mistyped when taking a test, too, just because we feel like they do kind of portray qualities of every single type and that's like what we think so I can't even imagine like being a nine especially since they tend to be indecisive like I think it's interesting to consider whether they are typically like introverted or extroverted and not that any type is more one or the other like I know sevens there's probably sevens out there who are introverts I'm sure that's not as common but I'm sure it exists um And I think nines can definitely go both ways, but again, as a withdrawing type, that often, like, leads me to believe that there is a greater potential for a nine to be introverted, just because they often, like, need to retreat into their own um, bodies or minds to kind of figure things out and take a step back away from things. And I think that, like, being in a environment with a lot of people would be very draining for them as they're trying to like avoid any conflict and you know when you're in a big group of people something is going to happen that would be stressful or uncomfortable um so I think that alone time is something that's very important for most nines not that they're all introverts but I think that it is common maybe for them to be introverts uh However, they still, like, play a very essential role in their social groups and, I feel like, work environments. Like, I don't think that they're necessarily more quiet or more prone to be introverts, but I do think that it makes sense that a nine would be an introvert, maybe, is all that I'm trying to say. There's obviously so much to every type that we are covering not even a fraction of it, like, And we're, like, not even experts, so we're probably not even summarizing them the best way possible, but I think that it's still, like, a good way to get talking about it and uh, start diving into it a little bit. Um, However, we're going to wrap up what we have on nine so far and move on to the the last type of this whole um, little three-part or three-episode little series, I guess, we have going um with type ones so maddie do you want to introduce us to type ones yes so my mom's a type one so i love talking about type one she's like very much a type one 
Or like, okay, to introduce it, like if anyone's watched Friends, I love Friends, and Monica Geller, I feel like is mm-hmm. a very good like epitome of what a type one is also. Okay. Just to, like get you to make some connections. So they are known as the reformer a lot of times. And um, I would say I'm just going to start out with kind of the biggest um, way for me to kind of point out a one is they're huge rule followers. And um, I also have a really good friend from college that's a one too. And it honestly kind of makes me laugh a lot because I'm just a very like go with the flow like it's fine type person like I don't that was a terrible way to put it into words but mm-hmm. um so I think it's really funny to be around ones because yeah they're just like very much like about the rules and I feel like that kind of makes them a reliable person to go to for advice because they'll often advise you on like what the right thing to do is mm-hmm. and uh sometimes like it's frustrating like you know when you kind of go to someone for advice and you like you kind of know in the back of your head what you should do but it's not necessarily what you want to do um but once they'll always tell you what nope like this is the right thing to do um so yeah and they're known to be perfectionists and that kind of has to do with the fact that they have a big desire to have control over things And I think that need for control kind of goes, plays into the fact that they're known to be like huge planners. Um, And yeah, they just like to know all the details. They like to plan everything out in a good way, Um, which my mom says, I was asking her questions just because it's good to get like the perspective Mm -hmm. of the person that it is. And she said to her, when I asked what she thinks the best part about being a one is she was like, you always want a one to go with you on vacation because they'll like make sure it's a perfect vacation, like plan everything out to a T. And I think that might be where my mom and I like growing up have honestly like butt heads a little bit just because I'm a very like last minute person. Like my mom, like she, I remember like, for example, like homecoming and like planning out pictures and dinner and stuff. And it would be like a couple days. It would be like, she would want to know like, two weeks before like okay what time's everything happening and I be like yeah I'll get back to that later like once we figure it out and then it would be like a day before and I still wouldn't know and she'd be like Maddie like I need to like plan and so just like that's a little example about like just the way we interact but I was gonna say like how do you guys growing up like how do you see draw the comparison between you two and how did you guys like work together yeah I feel like, honestly, now, we're probably, like, the best friends now that we've probably been in my whole life, which makes sense, because now I'm, like, in college, and, like, I don't know, but we're, like, really good friends now, and I think we balance each other out well, but it definitely hasn't always been like that, and I feel like it's kind of been, honestly, I think learning about the Enneagram has helped my relationship with her, just because, like, I realize, like, her key motivations and everything and uh yeah I remember um, in high school like I don't you guys were ever like totally like on the separate pages I don't feel like it wasn't like you got along terrible I just remember like there was definitely a major shift like when you went to school of how much you like 
connected with your mom and I just saw like a major shift in like your relationship yeah yeah definitely and yeah like our relationship is completely different now than it used to be yeah totally and uh, um and yeah again I feel like the Enneagram has a lot to do with that just because I know like what she fears and what motivates her and all that stuff and uh, it makes me be able to appreciate her a lot more so I think that's cool but um we can get into like the basic fears and desires because that's kind of what it's centered around a little bit so I kind of talked about how they're really big rule followers and I think that has to do with their basic desire because their basic desire is usually to be good and uh, to do everything right um and then their basic fear is just the opposite just to be corrupt and evil and um so I feel like another thing that has to do with ones is they're known to like they want everything to be fair and everything to be just Mm -hmm. um so yeah and Okay, sorry, I just am taking a little pause. I need to organize my thoughts. Very um, ethical people, like, definitely seeking justice and wanting to do what's right. And I I feel like a lot of politicians and activists are, like, ones. Like, they have one vibes, I guess. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I have just another little thing to share. I was just looking through, because I was asking my mom some questions. Again, I mentioned that earlier. And one of my questions was I was asking what energizes her and her literally she gave a one word response at first then she elaborated later but she said order which makes like a lot of sense yeah um and uh, I like how she knew exactly what like what it was like she just put the finger on it like right away yeah I feel like because of that like need for order too that ones can have like a hard time resting and not doing anything Um, I feel like they just have a need to do things all the time, which, like, also reminds me of myself of seven, so. Um, And also explains, again, why the common mistype between, like, one, threes, and eights, like, I feel like they're all such doers, like, they want to do stuff and get stuff done. uh I feel like that's another reason why those kind of types um, might be a little bit more challenging to, like, distinguish between. Yeah, definitely. And um, I think something that might be good for all ones to hear. Um, sorry, I'm talking about my mom a lot. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> but I have like a lot of knowledge on that because of her. Um, so we were talking about how knowing her Enneagram has helped her grow in her faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was talking about how it's like knowing kind of, because I feel like the Enneagram does a really good job putting your key desires and motivations and everything into words like you know them but like it does just does a really job good job of putting it into words and she was talking about how knowing all of this like learning about her enneagram type has really helped her and pushed her to know that she has to find peace in god because um she was talking about how it's helped her realize that she doesn't have to figure out everything out by herself in he she should be relying on him and his strength and wisdom so I think that's something really good for 
all the ones who may be listening to remember in day-to-day life. Yeah, and something I've been, again, in the book I'm reading, it's, I think it's called The Sacred Enneagram. I, I think I mentioned the name of it earlier, but in case I didn't. Um, he talks about, like, why the Enneagram is a spiritual, I believe the exact words are a spiritual contemplative practice. And, like, that's kind of wordy and a little bit much to take in right away. But I think that that is such a good way to put, like, the importance of the Enneagram. And, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't think we would be talking about it so much if it was just, like, for fun. Um, but I really think, like, there is honestly so much, like, power in it. And I, it has totally, like, transformed how I uh, interact and, like, view other people. Uh, and, like, like you said, Maddie, while, yes, partially, like, the Enneagram might have helped you to, like, interact better or more productively with your mom, I also think it's a lot because you understand, like, how God has made all of us differently and how, like, and if we don't understand that, then it's going to create a lot of uh, misunderstanding and uh, unnecessary conflict um, in our relationships and in our world. And if we can, like, also know our own types and know what we need to ask for from God, it, I think it helps us to search our own hearts a little bit better and know our own minds and bodies better so that we can... Um, walk with Christ in a more beneficial and like a more powerful way than we could before. Um, Cause I definitely think that as I've gotten to know more about God and also more about the Enneagram, I feel like they've kind of coincided in the direction of my learning. Like I feel like I'm just going on this upward slope of learning constantly and they both helped me like in my relationships and in my uh faith. Uh, But I do think that we want to talk about a little more on ones. Something that I think is really important to understand about ones is their inner critic, um, which is like probably the strongest in type ones. Uh, Is there anything you want to say about that, Maddie? Inner critic? Yeah. um, I think that's definitely one of their biggest downfalls. Like, um is their inner critic which it can be used for good but um just I was talking to once again my mother (laughs) about kind of what she thought were her biggest weaknesses as a one and she was talking about how anything that doesn't go right in her life um she feels a lot of blame and shame and she just puts a lot of pressure on herself so she kind of takes that all on herself and thinks that it's all her fault basically um and it's just overall very hard on herself which I think this is just another example of how like obviously like my friends and like my mom like I didn't know that they were feeling like this when like Mm -hmm. things didn't go wrong so like once you realize like that this is what they feel you know how to like what questions to ask and like how to be there for them and uh, I've just noticed myself like have to say to my mom a lot just because she's gone through a lot of hard stuff in the past couple years just have to say to her like it's not your fault like you couldn't help it it's not your fault and uh, so I feel like that's just another overall general way like when you know how they respond to um 
hardships, like you know better how to be a better friend or a better daughter or sister or whatever. So I think that's another really cool piece. Yeah, and I can just imagine how exhausting that would be to be a one. Like, they might be critical of other people, but I'm sure they're a million times more critical towards themselves than they are towards anybody else. And I don't know, I think it's really sad to see the pain that each type experiences, which is all a little bit different for each type and each person. I feel like one of the, some of the biggest um, points of recognition of a one are like the inner critic and the adherence to rules are probably some of the biggest like uh, traits of a one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, now that we've summed up all the types, I'm so excited. I really think that it's going to be cool to dig in more to how this can affect our spiritual lives and our faith. Uh, I hope that we can potentially like interview people of these different types. Like, I think that that would be so fun. Um, And I think it would be a learning experience for not only like people listening to this, but also for Maddie and I, um, which like I would be so excited about. And I think one of the coolest things about the Enneagram is uh, avoiding like misconceptions or avoiding misunderstandings of each type. Like I know so many ways that I felt understood. I'm sure Maddie has felt misunderstood in so many ways. Like each type, I think there's a way that they feel misunderstood. And I think that the Enneagram can really bring those things to light and bring attention to those things and point them out to us so that we don't continue to like misunderstand people and can make feet people feel more seen and understood in the future and I think like a really powerful way we can do that is by talking to those people directly okay yeah so Gentry kind of mentioned some plans we have for our future podcast um and we just want to thank you guys so much for listening to again this kind of mini series we thought it was a really good way to uh, kind of introduce the Enneagram types before we dive deeper into them. We are going to conclude this podcast episode. I'm just going to close us in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this opportunity to uh, speak to people who have an interest in getting to know you better, getting to know the Enneagram better, and learning how to use the Enneagram to glorify you more. And, uh, We just want to pray for everyone who's listening and those not listening that they can find a peace right now in these times. There's just a lot happening in the world right now. And uh, I just pray that it will give people an urge to look to you to find the relief and to find peace. I just pray that everyone um, through looking to you can... uh, be a light to those around them and can just help make your name name known through finding that underlying comfort that you bring to everyone amen amen thank you maddie for closing us in prayer um sorry for the eights nines and ones who have had to wait so long for this particular episode uh but now we are done with all of them and we are excited to be done with all of them i think Um, and have everybody be able to listen to the podcast episode on their own type. We are praying again for everybody out there, especially those dealing with um, 
sickness, illness, racial injustice, everything that is hurting our world right now, we know that the only person that can resolve these issues is God. And we're putting this situation, this, uh, the sadness and the hurt that's in this world and surrendering it completely to him. Obviously, we still are called to take action and defend the oppressed and seeking justice and doing what is right. Um, but we believe that God is the only one that can truly do that and reach that goal of ours. Um, thank you guys for listening, and we will be back with our next episode in the next week. Thank you guys so much. Have a great week. We hope you're enjoying your summer and staying healthy. Thank you again for listening. Bye, guys. Bye.